Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Paige Wesley, Mondo <laughs> Torres, Jenna Ortega, Ortega Pedro Pascal. <laughs> <laughs> Pedro Pascal. That'll all make sense in a second. Look, I'm not going to take up too much of your time. Uh, welcome to the show. We are starting a series, and we're so excited to be doing it. Uh, I think it's the perfect jumping off point, especially after our series on Burning Man, and I'm so stoked for this one couple things before we start uh if you want to help support the show you can go to patreon.com slash cult podcast we spent a lot of time talking about it at the end of the show and by a lot of time i mean like 45 fucking seconds if i'm yeah, being yeah, real yeah, with yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. um things are being printed uh we got some of our backfill orders filled and we're working on fulfilling the rest of them i'm fucking so stoked on this uh my life has been a hell for two years and we're finally finally catching up and it feels like a weight has been lifted off of my goddamn brain and i'm sure for everyone who has supported us over this time you're so stoked to get your t-shirt <laughs> yeah and, and some some clarity around that too there were problems getting certain sizes literally since pandemic yeah <laughs> like, there was yeah. there i know that everyone's been talking about um sourcing issues and i want to say that like I, for a really long time, was able to get shirts only in like small, medium, and extra large. So large through, I think, 4X was just not even an option for us. And it yeah. fucking sucked, and I didn't know why. I tried contacting the manufacturer, but they were like, you have to go through one of these distributors, and then it became a whole fucking nightmare. So I finally found a reliable source and was able to get it. Um, more locally i guess now sort of it's hard to explain but yeah it, it we have been filling backfill orders as we have been able to and now we're able to uh start fulfilling a bunch of them so i'm so stoked i can't wait for y'all to get your stuff thank you so much for helping us uh, make this crazy show because uh you know we pay for server costs we pay for an editor shouts out elliot thank you so much Love elliot yeah. being the fucking best um website costs oh, fucking jesus christ man anyway thank you patreon.com slash cult podcast one last thing i want to promote is uh there's a new video up now on youtube and rooster teeth called uh, armando moves to austin there's technically three of them and this is the finale but the finale sort of wraps up uh everything and tells the story of the whole trip it's one of the best things i've ever made and one of the worst things i've ever made and you'll understand <laughs> it after you see it uh so go watch that the link for that is on my bio on instagram at mondo does stuff uh, but you can also just go to roosterteeth.com or to youtube and go to rooster teeth's youtube channel um page is going to be traveling a lot uh doing mm -hmm. a bunch of comedy and uh, why don't you tell them where they can find info on that yeah uh you can find in info for upcoming shows on instagram i will be in texas in the first part of july uh, then back in Los Angeles to battle Keith Carey on the 20th of July at Jam in the Van in Culver City. And then finally, I will potentially be at a mystery international location that I cannot announce. Uh, but when I can, I will post about it. Uh, so thank you for that. Absolutely. RTX is coming up to, uh, I believe it is the 9th when we are doing the comedy show. Is that correct? Uh, the 8th. The 8th is the, the two comedy shows. Gotcha. 
RTX is coming up. Uh, we have two comedy shows on the 8th. Uh, tickets are available now for that. Uh, Paige and I will be doing stand-up with a bunch of really funny folks, uh, both from RT and not from RT. There are some mm. fucking bangers on the lineup. It's going to uh, be a great show. Absolutely. And there's two of them to so go to that. We're still waiting to confirm when the Colt Podcast panel is. There's a lot of stuff in flux. Uh, I've been talking with Rooster Teeth. Uh, there's no problem or anything. It's just figuring out their final the schedule uh, now so we should be able to hear about that soon and get that info to you ASAP um, yeah this was longer than I meant it to be I love you let's get into the show hello 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 <laughs> hello and I just fade out don't drink the For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always... These are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have Shaved Heads. Oh, that's uh hmm is this like a like a we're trying to become less materialistic and becoming monks shaved heads or is this like a when I think of white supremacy I think of Armando Torres? <laughs> It's the, it's the former. The former. Oh, for God. Uh, there's no Nazis in, in these episodes. There's still bad people, but like, no Nazis, though. Mm. Bad in different ways. Ah, cool. So we have the full wide spectrum of being a piece of shit. <laughs> Big old spectrum of being a piece of shit. Um, this is one that I have been noodling on for a while. And it's probably going to be at least four episodes, if not more, uh, because as I just kept reading about it, it kept getting weirder. Like one of those things where I was like, yeah, it's like this and then that. And then you're like, wait a second. They went to court for what? And you're like, this is a whole episode of just this one court case that's like not even related to a bunch of others. Like, what is happening here? Oh, but my God. Fascinating. This, so this is the curse of the true yes. crime podcaster and it's uh it's what i like to call the weezer syndrome because if you yes. want to destroy my my life aka sweater uh right. pull this thread as i walk away yep. <laughs> and yeah i will yeah. waste 500 hours of my life just being like but but where did Burning Man actually start, though? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like, OK, so did they win the case on like giving out pamphlets in airports? But then 9-11 fucked it up for that. Like what, what the happened? Fuck? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's it's wild. This is also I've been listening to Behind the Bastards uh, episodes on Vince McMahon. Mm -hmm. And this kind of reminds me of that. We're like. He did six episodes on Vince McMahon, and a lot of them are about Vince and different eras of wrestling. But also, he takes full episodes to go do like other people's stories that are like super important to the overall narrative. This is going to kind of be like that, too, because 
this is a group that's been around a long time. And so there are like different eras and different ways that the group shows up. And it has completely evolved into something completely different now, which is wild. This is the interesting thing of the show. And it's something I've been thinking about a lot as I've been, you know, uh, working in a department that refreshes shows, builds new shows, takes inspiration from other shows. Um, Cult podcast has become an interesting thing where like when we started, I I think that we would read one book and maybe the Wikipedia (laughs) page and put together like a document and it was fun. And now it's like, Preparing an episode takes three weeks and you watch a bunch of movies and you buy books that you then have to take to a Goodwill and people are like, look, man, I don't know if I can take mine. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I this don't is like know. your fourth copy of the Turner Diaries, my dude. Yeah. Um, you have you considered donating this to Hobby Lobby? I think it would fit in. <laughs> back They'd like it there. Uh, I was going through this outline. I was like, oh, shit, this episode would be too long i don't you know i might have to cut stuff and then i realized it's because the whole first page was sources <laughs> well i'm over here like i'm like how am i gonna cut like 20 minutes <laughs> shit man i won't i won't i won't belabor the point for much longer but i do want to specify uh another instance of this happening to me recently where uh i saw a clip of uh you know beetlejuice not the movie but the the guy the cartoon no, oh, no, 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 no. The character uh, or the like mythological character? No, I mean Beetlejuice the guy. He's like this goofy looking short dude with like bugged out eyes and he's like kind of he like his character is that he's kind of dumb. He was like a guest on the Howard Stern show a lot. Um, oh, no, I don't know anything. He about always this. wears <laughs> these big glasses. Okay, I've just sent you uh, a bunch of pictures of who I'm talking about. Okay. I've definitely seen this person. I did not know that that was their name or (laughs) what they were uh, famous for. Yeah. So this is one. This is like from the era of Vine where there was that guy that was just like, these nuts. (laughs) Got him. (laughs) And then he like all these nuts (laughs) just fucking would coast off of that. And then you would see these like Internet personalities and you're like, who the fuck is this person? So Beetlejuice. And if you're listening at home. Uh, just go to Google and look up Beetlejuice person, and then it'll it'll show you who we're talking about. So I had seen this person in like YouTube videos, just like randomly hanging around at like weird events, and I was like, "Who the fuck is Beetlejuice?" And so I look it up, and it was like Beetlejuice was a recurring person on the Howard Stern show, considered by many to be like one of the best. Uh, one of the best guests that, that Howard Stern has ever had. And I was like, oh, cool. And then I was like, I want to see, there was like a section with like early life. And I was like, oh, I'll go there. And uh, basically the article was like, <laughs> not much is known about his early life, but he was discovered uh, by a man who ran a company that was uh, uh, dwarf tossing. Oh no! Oh yeah. no! <laughs> so oh no! I was like, I'm sorry. Wait. I'm sorry, what? And then I found out that, like, that thing from Wolf of Wall Street where they throw little people across, like, onto targets. Did you not know that was real? I didn't know that it was running as late as it was, if that makes sense. Like, Oh, allow me to spoil it for you. When I was first doing comedy, I got booked with a friend at, like, a roadhouse-type venue in Central California, and we drove out there and they were mad because we had not sold as many tickets 
as the dwarf tossing competition the next day. So, like, it ran at least until 2012 or 13. Yeah, I know for that for sure. See, that's what I'm fucking talking about. And also, I want to I want to just put a huge caveat here of like dwarf tossing carnivals and competitions. That's what it was listed as in these articles. That's what yes. they went by when they were. If there is a, for, well, first of all, don't do this. <laughs> like it shouldn't it shouldn't exist. It's incredibly demeaning and fucking terrible. Well, and also dangerous. It can be, but I mean, like if you're a a little person who wants to participate in entertainment that way, fine. I'm I'm cool as long as people are consensual and have a way to get the healthcare they need if they get injured in the process. Yeah, look, I'm a guy who again likes to fucking slam monster energy drinks and jump off ladders <laughs> at his abuela's house. And then even cut forward to now, I'm a dude who will stay up for 36 hours straight to edit a video and then go to HEB and be like, I think I'll eat this pre-made shrimp in landlocked Austin, Texas. <laughs> Yeah, I'm an idiot for money. I get that. And 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 I enjoy the stupid stuff I do. If that's something that you're choosing to do, fine. My point was more like if we're using the wrong uh words here, please let oh, me yes. know because Apologies. I'm just listing what they were. But my point is is that like this is the curse of a true crime podcaster and maybe any podcaster. And it's as far as curses go, pretty light. But you will find a sentence and go, huh? And then spend a whole night of your life researching it and then consider texting your co-host, hey, should we do an episode on dwarf throwing carnivals? Because this shit is fucking wild and I don't like it. It's as wild as professional wrestling. Like it shouldn't be, but it is. Yes. (laughs) I've also fallen down that rabbit hole. God. All right, so now you see this is a this has been a peek behind the curtain into how this happens. Basically, one yes. of us will read a sentence and then ruin a week of our lives by fully ingratiating ourselves or integrating ourselves into the terrible worlds that we then bring you. And speaking of these terrible worlds, let's read an entire page of sources about a bunch of maybe bad bald motherfuckers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, I will say when for this one at least when i fell down the rabbit hole it was something we could use for an episode i can't say the same <laughs> for when i fell down a rabbit hole on toy and b tiles or when i read too much about anna nicole smith a week and a half ago <laughs> like at least this was useful um i, I want to know okay this is the last time i detract i promise no, i mean it it won't be but in the intro at least I do this awful thing, and I think it's a bad trait that I have, but I want to know if anyone else does this too, where I will watch a movie or a TV show, and then I will find, uh, uh, like, I will become attracted to one of the actors uh, that are portraying it, and so I'll look up, like, (laughs) I'll look up, like, Alison Brie or something, on, and then, like, read through her whole Wikipedia page and be like... That could be our shared life together. And then constantly oh. then Google Allison Brie boyfriend and see like oh, guilty who they're. She's da- married. Yeah. Oh, I know she's married now to Dave Franco. I've done the fucking research. <laughs> <clears throat> but I just think it's so funny that half my Google searches are like the worst stuff imaginable for cult podcasts. Like how make bomb. Do you need sex? Make egg. And then the other and half Allison of it. Brie boyfriend. Yeah, the other half of it is like. Jenna Ortega married? Question mark. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. That's a good. That's a good pick, Jenna Ortega. That's a fun <laughs> one. 
She's look, man. She's the new Audrey Aubrey Plaza to me, where she's yeah, like, honestly, she's yeah, smart, sure. she's sophisticated, she's incredibly funny, and I feel Very like she funny. would punch me in the face if I wanted her to. Given the chance, mm-hmm. I mean, if she could reach. Yeah, that's the other thing. I'd need to give her a step ladder, but I, uh, a woman getting on a ladder. Oh, oh, chugging a Monster Energy drink. Oh, Monster Here's Energy drink thing. boyfriend? Question mark. <laughs> Married. Um. Here's the worst part is when you find somebody attractive, you look up their stuff and they haven't done a ton of stuff yet. Like you can see it. You're like, they're going to be famous, but you have to wait it out. Like you can't even go watch the other movies stuff they're in because they don't exist. Yeah. Yeah. That's the worst. That's the worst. Oh, all right. Let's get, let's hop into it. I'm so sorry, folks. No, please. Uh, it's all good. This, this will probably be a slightly long episode. Who gives a shit? We're here for you. We love you. We like spending time with you. Yeah. And if you're on your commute to work, just fucking call in and tell them that there was traffic. I don't know. Go stop at a Dunkin' Donuts or something and just sit in the parking lot. Listen to the sweet sounds of our voice. Running water. Crashing through the forest and down the springs into Evian bottles. Pedro Pascal fucking somebody? Question mark. (laughs) All right. Let's come back in. Come back in. All I'm saying is Pedro. If you want to take me, a misunderstood young actor, on a trip across a long (laughs) span of time where we become closer and closer, I'm I'm open to it. I'm open to it. I want this for you. I love this for you. Pedro Pascal, travel with Armando, question mark? Okay. All right. All right. All right. We're good. We're good. We're good. Let's go. We're good. We're good. We're good. So today, we're covering a group that... You would not have to Google far to find out about them. There's a lot of stuff about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hare Krishna's cult, question mark. Hare Krishna's bad, question mark. <laughs> it's Hare Krishna Day. Oh, what, what, shit. what? Now, we have covered other groups with similar beliefs. We've even covered a group that is tangentially related to the International Society of the Krishna Consciousness. Uh, uh, ISKCON, as they, they go by, that's the official name for the umbrella of organizations that usually are called colloquially hard Krishna. Mm. Um, but we have never covered the origins and basically the giant bigger organization of Hari Krishna. So we are going to start doing that today. And before we get into anything else, let's get into sources. Um, the first source is a pretty extensive article by grunge magazine uh online which is the untold truth of Hare krishna now the interesting thing about this magazine is they actually aggregate a couple other articles that are older with the Wayback machine so it makes it easier to find the other ones uh because some of the bigger articles about Hare krishna happened at the time that the scandals were happening and even though they were widely publicized, it's one of those things that everyone seems to have kind of forgotten where like, I didn't know about half of these and I'm a cult nerd. And I was like, what the fuck? I didn't even know this happened. So grunge magazine kind of aggregates everything. Uh, but then some of the more detailed sources are the New York times from October, 1998. Um, the article is called Hari Krishna movement details past abuse at its boarding schools. Then the Washington post, can Hare Krishna's at Palace of Gold in West Virginia rebuild its tarnished community? Uh, then the Independent actually in their obituary section 
Hare Krishna leader deposed after racketeering conviction. Uh, then we have an article from the Oakland Press. Oaktown, what's up? Uh, that, that's just... Hare Krishnas are no longer but berobed hippies who proselytize in airports. That's actually about the modern Hare Krishna movement, and it's very interesting. I highly recommend. Then we also have a court document from Middle Tennessee's University, Middle Tennessee University's free speech department. So they have like a a free speech nonprofit that documents court cases about free speech. And it was documenting Lee versus International Society for Krishna Consciousness. Uh, and it's a First Amendment case. And we'll cover that in a couple different episodes further on. And finally, we have the Britannica page for Hare Krishna, which is the most useless source. But we will talk about it today. <laughs> when you say Britannica. Usually that's not the case. Usually Britannica somewhat reliable. Not today. I, You know what? Uh, this might be getting a little too in the weeds. But what I've tend to found out is that uh, the American version of the Britannica. Or I, I wouldn't even say American because I bet it's not. The English version of the Britannica uh, and, and those types of sources are always fucking useless to me. But then yeah. I'll find some version of Britannica or Encyclopedia or something. Not Wikipedia, but like a version of that in German that I then translate back into English. And they are always the most like useful sources I've ever used in my entire life wild yeah i don't I, I have no idea what it is but if you get yourself into the goddamn britannica good fucking job dude i can't even get on the rooster teeth wikipedia page all right <laughs> fuck i yeah. know i was i was <laughs> i uh i've been doing some sorority stuff lately lately and i kept googling to see if they've added me to their notable <laughs> alumni yet they have not <laughs> they haven't there's a long list of people more famous than me uh, but also, we do have some entries from uh, iscon.org uh, about the life of the leader. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. I'm, but, yeah. I, I'm fucking, I'm so stupid. But every time you say it, my brain hears PissCon. And I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck is PissCon? That sounds like the somehow cleaner than FurryCon, but worse than Comic-Con. Um, but not as sticky as the convention next door in the in the building on the other side, which is ComCon. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Piss yeah. and ComCon, they got to be right next to each other. They got to be right next to each other. Yeah, they're like the balls. They're held at the Epcot Center, right? That big round. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if you know, but PissCon is sterile. <laughs> It's just a bunch of people running in with fucking jellyfish bites like, oh, my God, I need your help. <laughs> Please help. Somebody told me the other day that you're not supposed to pee on people with jellyfish uh, stings. I think it was me. And OK, here's the thing. My former boss, Omar De Armas, was a lifeguard. And he told me that technically speaking, peeing on people does uh, it can be helpful. And piss okay. is sterile and blah, 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 blah. But also... There are so many things that aren't human piss that do the same thing that are okay. actually like really, really helpful. Turns out Gatorade. Yeah. yeah. So it turns out piss is like one of those things where it's like, yeah, but technically. But it's handy. We already have it. I, We've been carrying it around in these balls. What else am I supposed to do with it? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's why God made it a straw so that it's easier to pour out on people. 
Oh God! Oh, For me, God. anyway, okay. you gotta pop a squat, and that and yeah. that that yeah. sucks. You gotta hope that that you- takes strength. Like le- you can't skip leg day if you're gonna pee on people, and you happen to have a vulva. <laughs> just imagining you in like a fucking LA fitness, just getting your squats on, and people are like, "Oh shit, you trying I to?" I gotta make- be ready if somebody you know. You know Catches a fade from a jelly. Yeah, exactly. People are like, oh, oh shit, you trying to bulk up? And you're like, nah. No. Jellyfish. Boom. And then you just keep head. doing reps. Oh, my God. But I just want the SpongeBob soundtrack in the background. Like, <laughs> yeah, where's that episode where SpongeBob gets stung and Patrick whips out his dick and pisses on the wound? I'm pretty sure it's on Pornhub. <laughs> In their cartoon section. Jesus. Anyway, back to the Hare Krishnas. Um, So, I fell down this rabbit hole. And the International Society for Krishna Consciousness, or ISKCON, as it has been known, or as as they define themselves, uh, colloquially known as Hare Krishna, has gone through wild changes and shifts in its lifetime. And I'm sure there's a lot of you out there listening, thinking like, but they're harmless. Like, what are you, why? They just dance and hand out cookies. Why are we doing so many episodes on them? And you're partially right. Um, I would concede that modern day Hare Krishnas can be, can being the operative word, harmless, but they are also vastly different from the Hare Krishnas of the 60s, 70s, and even the 90s and 2000s. And some of you might have also noticed that I started that list at the 1960s. Huh. Um And you might be thinking to yourself, I thought Hare Krishna was based on ancient Hinduism. Sort of. Uh, Sort of. It sort of is. (laughs) Yeah, I see where this is going. What I I do think is interesting is uh, it seems like another Mormon situation because that's where we landed on the Mormons was like modern day Mormonism for the most part is pretty harmless. They're trying to like do one thing i mean you could make the argument they have that, the same problems as any church is what i would say modern day mormons have basically yeah 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 but like uh whether you know i would say not harmless less directly harmful than it used to less be overtly because, harmful <laughs> yeah because back in the day the mormons were just genociding people yeah so, they'd be hiding it like the catholics you know ex- <laughs> yeah, exactly um yeah, and to be honest, it's actually even a little bit different than that. Um, the I'll spoiler for episode whatever we end on. Um, the Hari Krishna movement has gone through a wild change, both in leadership and also um, attendees and adherents, where they they've drastically reduced their footprint um, due to some things that we're going to discuss in some episodes later, but also. We'll talk about who is the kind of starting point and who the original adherents are compared to who the adherents become, because this is very much a group that starts out with rich white kids who want to piss off their parents, but ends up with Indian immigrants who are looking for something close to what they experienced back home, which is wild. I I would have never predicted it ended up that way. Yeah. Yes. That's that's really interesting. It's real Damn. interesting. <laughs> um but that's what I mean by like modern day kind of harmless. And and especially it's, you know, it's not led by the same people. There's not 
nearly as many full-time devotees. So a lot of people don't live on communes. They kind of attend passively for festivals or just to get away from it all and then go back to their everyday lives and, and practice however they would choose to. So mm. it is very different from where it starts. Um, but it takes decades of weirdness to get there. So we are going to go through it. Um, Absolutely. Now, I also just wanted to quickly say, uh, because I remembered something, uh, I don't want and I don't want to get stop drafting the fucking DM that you've already started sending me. About yeah, listen how, to the whole uh, episode, please. Yeah, about how Mormons are like harmless now, because I just remembered how many modern day Mormons I know that are like it ruined my life. Oh, <laughs> almost everyone I know who grew up Mormon was just like it's terrible. But I also know an equal amount of people that I went to church camp with who were like it was awful. <laughs> So yeah. like nothing, nothing is harmless when people are mistreating people and abusing people. Let's put it that way. But they don't have an army right now. Yes, that's more what I meant. And that's a, so. So anyway, delete your fucking drafted DM. Instead, just send me like, I don't know, send me a picture of the sandwich, the last sandwich you ate, because oh, I fucking yeah. love a good Sammy. God, I wanna get, oh, I got to find a Quiznos. Anyway, uh, <laughs> now. Let's start with the ancient Hindu belief system that is the alleged basis for Hare Krishna. Now, if you believe Britannica, and I'll give you reasons why you should or should not, uh, the beliefs of Hare Krishna are based on, direct quote, the teachings of the Hare Krishna movement are derived from ancient Hindu scriptures, especially the Srinad Bhagavatam and the Bhagavad Gita, Adherents believe that Krishna, an avatar of Vishnu, is the supreme lord and that humans are eternal spiritual beings trapped in a cycle of reincarnation. End quote. Let's break this down a little bit. It is not entirely wrong, but it is not entirely right. Uh, first and foremost, in the sense that adherents uh, to Hare Krishna believe that Krishna is the supreme lord and that we are in a cycle of reincarnation, uh, that is true. That is an element to their beliefs, although it is not the whole of their beliefs. And it is also true that there are, those are all elements covered in the Bhagavad Gita. But if you've been listening to our show for a while, uh, or if you're just super up on your true crime cult docs, you might have already started to sniff out the problem. Uh, see, the Bhagavad Gita is kind of like the Bible in that a lot of people cite it as their jumping off point and bank on people not reading it to check up on them. Um, that's and there's a lot of religious books like that. It's not the only one. Pretty much any time there's a religious book that people will point to as like, no, this is why I'm the way, the truth and whatever. Yeah, that, I mean, that's multiple people are trying to do that. Uh, it's a book that is open to interpretation. Um, it's got a bunch of different things in it. Uh, everyone wants to argue that they have the ultimate truth and understanding based on the same book. And if you don't believe me, I went back through our episode archives and found about half a dozen other groups that also claim to be the ultimate authority on the Bhagavad Gita, including Doc Antle from Tiger King. <laughs> so yeah. like all I'm saying, the Bhagavad Gita in and of itself, not the bad guy here. Um, rather people take it, take what they want from it and present that in different ways. So while you could say, yes, Hare Krishna's beliefs are based in it. Sure. They are filtered through the lens of a person with ulterior motives. 
let's put it that gotcha. way. Gotcha. So it's kind of like how the Bible is all about peace and love and 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 caring for thy neighbor, but then and then a bunch of people were like, "I'm gonna go murder people if they don't believe in peace and love and caring for your neighbor." Exactly. That that's what I mean by this. Of like, it's not like the Bible in content necessarily, but yeah. in the way that people use it, yes. And yeah. Or it's like uh, how The Wolf of Wall Street is a good movie, but then a bunch of dudes base their entire personality yeah. off of Jordan Peterson. Yeah. <laughs> or not Jordan Peterson. What's his name in the movie? Jordan uh, oh God, something? I don't remember. But I, I think they know. were just like, Leo dates 25-year-olds, so I'm going to DM this total stranger. <laughs> and then yeah, when they're... she says, I'm sorry, do I know you? I'm going to be like, shut up, bitch. And then, you know, yeah. it's girls' it's... fault all the time. <laughs> It's fucking crazy that Leonardo DiCaprio and I have both Googled Jenna Ortega boyfriend? boyfriend? Question mark? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, the interesting thing about Hare Krishna is that it will be viewed through multiple lenses. It's had multiple leaders over time. It has different factions with different leaders. And all of them are presenting their version of what this is. And their own reasons for why they choose to present the version they do. Uh, we'll kind of go over each person and kind of their life and how that probably shaped it. But it is all their version of what they understand to be these older tenets of this religion. In a way, it's all the people using the Bhagavad Gita is the, the Hindu version of people claiming to be Jesus, except that Hinduism is a belief system that occasionally has multiple deities, which means they can kind of all be right. Uh, that's the fun part, um, except for Hare Krishna, because Hare Krishna uh, claim that their beliefs come from an ancient Hindu monotheistic religion, which there are many. This is not the only one. Uh, there are a number of them. This one specifically uh, focuses on Krishna, the avatar of Vishnu, um, and it, it does exist and, and it did exist in the 16th century when they claimed that it started. It has been practiced in India since then. Um, it is slightly different than the practice of Hare Krishna today or even in the 60s. Um, it's not wildly different, but it's kind of like if you played telephone with an entire religion and the <laughs> 16th century version is where it started and then someone changed the message mid telephone and that person was AC. And I apologize. This is gonna. I'm gonna struggle with names. I'm gonna try and do my best. A.C. Bhakti Vendanta Swami Srila Prabhupada in New York's East Village in 1965. I want to cover Prabhupada because he is the true founder of what we know as Hari Krishna in the United States specifically today. But. Most of what we know about his life is based on what we would call hagiography from the ISKCON site. Um, that is a, a kind of rewriting of someone's life history to make them seem more important, more magical, etc. It's very, very common with religious leaders or even just famous people in history. Uh, that's the only source we have for a lot of this. So as we talk through it, we'll cover what may or may not be fake. The man who would eventually be known as Swami Prabhupada, which, by the way, is not the first Swami Prabhupada. We'll get to it in just a second. He had another name and then takes on the name of his teacher. We'll cover it. Uh, but he was born September 1st, 
1896 in Calcutta, India. Now, his father was a cloth merchant and his mom, if you haven't guessed from the fact that it's the 1800s, is a stay-at-home mom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's how that works. Really? I thought she was going to be a business executive. I thought she'd be a lawyer. Who knows? Uh, probably wasn't allowed to. Uh, just because history, time. its it, It's been a bad time for women everywhere in the world. <laughs> oh, man. I thought she was the basis for that movie, Legally Brunette. Oh, I would watch that. Kind of like a, what's the, like a bend it like Beckham, but for law. I'd be down. <laughs> be down. Uh, according to his hagiography, uh, his parents sought the insight of astrologists before he was born to basically uh-huh. be like, what will our child be? And allegedly, this group of astrologers predicts that he would be a great guru. Convenient. Um, I think that's bullshit. <laughs> I think that's one of those things that they sprinkled in afterward to legitimize him. I don't think he's a a shyster or a bad dude. Legitimately, I think he finds a belief system he likes and tries to share it, and then things get out of hand later. Um, But this is something that they, I think they've added later. Uh, Now his family. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that you can, (laughs) I don't know that I necessarily believe in astrology as a whole thing. And I know that I've, I can hear like thousands of people turning off the podcast right now, as I say that. Um, But I do want to say that I don't think you can tell a lot about what a baby's going to do and be when they're a baby, unless Mm -hmm. that baby is like me. Cause I recently found out when I was born, I was, uh, 10 pounds and 22 and a quarter inches tall. How does your mom still walk? Like, I don't (laughs) understand. Yeah. Like you could do an ultrasound on me as a baby and be like, oh yeah, linebacker for sure, (laughs) dude. How does he already have this much cholesterol? Jesus (laughs) Christ. How's there a ladder in there? I don't I know you thought he was kicking, but he's like jumping off of it. Did you sit on a monster energy king? <laughs> Holy shit. I'm just picturing your mom just pouring monster energy over her pregnant belly, being like, yes, like yes, rubbing it into yes. the skin. <laughs> you will be a stunt man. Yes. <laughs> oh, now, Prabhupada's family was not necessarily wealthy, but they weren't poor and destitute they were kind of comfortable and stable comfortable enough for him to attend a college called the scottish church university which is one of the affiliated college of calcutta university now this is a christian liberal arts college it's actually one of the oldest in asia and he attended from 1916 to 1920 and if you know anything about the history of india around this time uh that's a weird time to be a young adult and to be kind of coming into your own and your own belief system. And around this time, his parents planned an arranged marriage for him. Now, here's something wild. Uh, I do think he marries this woman, but we never hear about her again, ever Mm. again. We hear that, like, they plan the arranged marriage. We never hear if there's a wedding. We never hear about him taking her around with him ever. She just disappears from the annals of history. So maybe he got married. Maybe he didn't. It's possible either way. I can't verify either way. I 
hate that I am detracting so much for this story. So if you're listening, I'm sorry. I'm (laughs) apologizing. I'm trying to be better. But and I'll make this as quick as humanly possible. I am friends with a comedian here in Austin, uh, whose cousin just had essentially like an arranged marriage. Mm -hmm. Uh, basically like. They were introduced by the families. They were told, like, we would like you two to, like, date. Um, They started dating for a while. I think it was, like, five months. And then the wedding plans were, like, set and they got married. Um, I'm not passing judgment. I'm just reiterating the stuff that I found. The, The husband is maybe the worst person i've ever heard of in my entire life uh, as a husband maybe not because i've heard a lot of husbands do like murders and yeah. bad stuff <laughs> but like it was like that's a stretch my dude yeah so maybe i'll pull it back ted bundy was married <laughs> i would say douchiest maybe okay. all uh right, all right. basically they made because he is a huge fan of the los angeles lakers Okay. Um, they made the entire wedding Lakers themed, uh, which at first I was like, this is the wildest shit. Purple and yellow. That's kind of nice. Purple and yellow. It's it's cute. It's beautiful. Right. But then I found out he's not a Lakers fan so much as he is a LeBron James fan. What? And so. (laughs) And so why not make it Cleveland themed? I'm so confused. Like, I, I know that he's playing for the Lakers now, but, like, that's not the LeBron people love and remember. No. <laughs> and I saw pictures and video from the wedding, and there were, I'm not fucking kidding you, Paige, 12 full-size LeBron James cutouts that were just spread throughout the wedding, and he spent most of his time taking selfies with the LeBron cutouts at his own wedding. And there were five different people who gave speeches, and each of them individually wrote the joke, yes, you will always be important to him, but you'll always come second to LeBron James. And it fucking killed every time. Well, yeah, because there's a bunch of fucking cardboard cutouts of... Oh, God, this is so upsetting. (laughs) This is not okay. Again, it's just word association because you were like arranged marriage. And she, she was telling me, like, it is an arranged marriage. And I was like, oh, is that why it was weird? And she goes, no, it was weirder for a much stranger reason. Let me tell you about my cousin and his love for LeBron James. Oh, why is it so funny? The only way that this makes sense is if the husband getting married is 12 is the kid who did LeBron James. LeBron. That's the only way it makes sense. Oh, okay. We can, uh, we're, this, we're this back is, in. It's more appropriate for a bar mitzvah than yes! a wedding. Yes, a hundred percent. I bet you a thousand dollars that there have been multiple LeBron James themes bar mitzvahs throughout the years. And when these caterers sure. were setting up, they were like, "Oh, I didn't know a boy was about to become a man." <laughs> and then it turns out that a man was about to become the world's fucking wackest husband. And again, I'm not saying worst because we, as we've covered, a lot of really bad husbands out there. Oh, the worst! Terrible! Terrible!
Just, just <laughs> have fun with your dork ass husband, I guess. Oh God. Well, according to this hagiography, uh, Prabhupada had fifteen cutouts of LeBron James. <laughs> <laughs> So it was better, is what you're telling it was me. Better. It was better. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, he he's attending college while this is happening. Uh, but by 1920, uh, things had changed in India. Namely, there was a national movement uh, due to the activism of Mahatma Gandhi and others to seek independence from British rule, and the establishment of India's own infrastructure, schools, and government. Now. At this time, Prabhupada is about to graduate from a Christian British founded liberal arts school. Hmm. So he basically rejects his own diploma. He refuses to walk. He declines to accept it because he believes that it's unethical of him to accept a diploma from a British university when he also supports the cause of a free India. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. Like, th- this is a guy that I think believed in in what he in he believes in this i think he believes in the religious uh systems that he finds later on i don't think this dude is a con man so much as a very passionate person uh mm-hmm. and there are parts of him that i'm like hell yeah free india let's go like yes um yeah. it's it's interesting this sounds like somebody with really strong convictions uh an incredible work ethic and is willing to stand by the things that they believe in much like lebron james much like who LeBron now plays- james. <laughs> for the Los Angeles Lakers. Unparalleled work ethic. And again, does not do weddings, apparently. No. They did try mm-hmm. to get him to make an appearance. Just dribbling down the aisle. <laughs> <laughs> he's not even flower girl. He's basketball guy. Oh my just, God. Or if he's officiating and he just dribbles the whole time. And then he's like, <laughs> I now pronounce you men and will like, like two become one. And he's got two basketballs like through his legs. Um, I don't know. I, I don't this. know. I don't know what like the because the ceremony obviously was different than like a traditional like Christian marriage mm-hmm. ceremony. Um, but I would give so much money to watch LeBron officiate a wedding where he was just spitting the Bible on his finger like a <laughs> basketball <laughs> with the globe trotters music in the background. And he's just fucking spinning it. It'd be so great. I'd go to that wedding. Fuck. <laughs> I know you said it was a whack wedding, but like this sounds awesome. No, apparently it fucking rocked. It was just really confusing that the wedding was Lakers themed. And And by rocked, you mean they passed him the rock and he dunked it. Yeah, absolutely. And they kept my favorite part of this might be the fact that uh, they asked the bride how she felt about it. She was like, it's cool, I guess. I don't know. I've never really seen basketball before. (laughs) It's her special day. No. Her special day. <laughs> that she had to share with LeBron James. Well, she'll always be sharing with LeBron James. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that's amazing. Anyway, so Prabhupada does not accept his diploma. However, because he did go to school, uh, he does get a job in a laboratory as a department manager. And for the next few years, he focused mainly on his work, but he seemed to be searching for something missing in his day-to-day life. He was very passionate about the fight for an independent India, and so he is participating in activism in that way. Um, But he also seems to just not be content with his basic work life. Um, He 
according to the hagiography, is looking for something more spiritual and more deep. Now, normally when hagiographies are like, they knew that they needed to find God, I'm like, that's bullshit. But in this case, I do think that that's kind of what happens to this this person. Because in 1922, only two years after he gets that job at the laboratory, he's 26, kind of in quarter-life crisis mode. The fight for India is still going on. And he follows his first guru, a man named Bhakti Siddhanta Saravati, or as he was known to his followers, Srila Prabhupada. Now, Prabhupada, you might recognize that name because it's also the name of the guy we've been talking about. This is why. This is his first teacher, and he kind of takes on part of his name later in life as a way to honor him. This seems to be where he settles into a number of different versions of what will become the Krishna consciousness, essentially monotheistic Hinduism centralized around Krishna. Uh, He works with this guru for about 15 years until that guru dies. Now, after his death, the Prabhupada that we've been following finds a number of other groups with similar monotheistic Krishna beliefs. Now, he follows a number of different people until about 1950. So he kind of, it's almost like trying out a bunch of different churches that all kind of believe mostly the same thing. That's Mm -hmm. kind of where he's at um, until 1950. Because he had a calling that he, because he was educated in British schools, he understood English and spoke it very well, that it was his job to bring the Krishna consciousness to the English-speaking world. Now, in 1950, he started this by translating Sanskrit manuscripts into English. Because in his mind, he's like, People from the English-speaking world would be super into this if they could read it. Uh, But he misjudged Americans uh, and how much we read, uh, (laughs) which is, like, not a lot. (laughs) And he's about a decade too early, right? So this is 1950. The counterculture movement, the very bare bones are maybe starting, but not really. It takes another 10 years or so before the acceptance of Eastern religions in the American counterculture movement would reach a fever pitch, right? So he kind of is too early for it, and people aren't reading his manuscripts. It hadn't caught on in the way that he wanted to, and he decided that there was only one thing to do, and that was to bring it to America. Now, in 1965, at the age of almost 70 years old, he an old man at this point, He stowed away on a cargo ship to New York City with only $10 in his pocket. Now, this is, again, part of the hagiography, but I actually believe this one. Yeah. Uh, Because there's no other explanation for how he gets there, (laughs) as far as I can find. That that, that rocks. It's wild. It's a wild story, right? Yeah, I'm... I'm, uh... I'm hesitant because I don't know the full story and I don't know if this guy turns out to be a piece of shit. Not really, no. Okay, good. Because that fucking rips, dude. That's awesome. I I would say there's some some diciness towards the end of his life, but I, I think it's more of him just trying to control something that got out of his control 
the mm-hmm. real diciness comes with his successors. So we'll we'll cover that in in future episodes. Um, but he shows up in the East Village, <laughs> and this is now 1965 in New York City. So there are multiple other groups like this in America. The counterculture movement is happening. Eastern religions are more normalized. And there's a ton of things already like this. So there's kind of a built-in audience. And he begins organizing chants in Tompkins Square Park. And he basically just attracts a group of hippies who are like, oh, someone's chanting? Let's join the chant circle. With Like, we're not even going to ask questions about it. That's basically what happens. Yeah. Uh, you know what? That's, I, I, what's funny is that I live I live near a park in Austin, and there's a lot of different parks in Austin, but I live mm-hmm. near a park in Austin that has uh, drum circles that just yep. happen. And apparently what happens is somebody will, like, start one with a group of friends, and then it just becomes a big thing. Oh, yes, and, it just and evolves. I, yeah. And I'm, and I'm hearing the sultry tones of bongos from outside my window, like, what the fuck is going on out yep. there? Yeah, this is the religious equivalent of a drum circle where he he's starting out these these chants. And mind you, they are catchy. We'll cover it in just a second. Mm. Um, and they start to attract kind of a core group of people. And within that group, um, a lot of them are similar. They are young. They are middle or upper middle class. And they are white specifically Mm. and they are willing to spend their money and their time to piss off their parents so much so (laughs) they can't wait they're so excited to make mom and dad mad Um, it's good to see that americans have really just stayed constant for a never changed yeah very long time now also because these are young white middle-class kids who had experienced the hippie movement already because it's already starting. Uh, They were familiar with chants and things like this. They'd seen it before. And so they just joined up. They were like, all right. And some of them start writing articles about air quotes, the mystic who chants in the park. And that widened his reach because now everyone's like, oh, there's a new guru in town. Let's go check it out. Uh, Now, some of those initial followers started to beg him to allow them to follow him full time. And he was like, that's cool, but you have to adhere to the tenets of this. You can't just show up and chant. You got to do the stuff. And the stuff was living a vegetarian lifestyle, Uh uh, not drinking any alcohol or doing any drugs, not having sex outside of marriage at all. Um, and within marriage, it was only for procreation. They had to wear saffron robes, give up the bulk of their belongings, uh, adorn their heads with clay markings. And the men were instructed to shave their heads except for one section in the back. And women largely wore their hair back. And that goes oppositional to most of the hippie movement. Yeah. Um, so some people are just like, just kidding. <laughs> like, 
no thanks yeah <laughs> didn't i was in it for the chanting but when it was no sex and no drugs i was out um, what's, what's really interesting is i feel like this is the perfect thing to follow our series that we just did on burning man yep uh because as we know a lot of what people loved about the hippie movement was the sort of looseness to it the ability to be as in as you wanted to be yeah uh, and also to <laughs> you know to do what you wanted to do you grew your hair long because you were the one that wanted to do it you wore the clothes you wanted to do it was a form of self-expression and so while i think the ideals are there just like you said i mean i'm repeating what you said the ideals are there they don't want to do any of that shit though (laughs) they want to fucking take acid and burn a giant man in the desert of course like yes now here's here's the other thing um you're not required to be a full-fledged member sure. like some people choose to but the chants in the park are free and it's a good old hippie time so those chants in the park start to get more popular now the other thing about them is it's long chanting for long periods of time which is very typical of a lot of hindu belief systems it's very common but in western belief systems not as common and a lot of people start to liken it to a meditative and trance-like state to chant and dance repeatedly to the same chanting and words and cadence um that'll come up in the next episode where it starts out being this fun hippie trance-like time and in the next episode people are like yeah but that could totally brainwash people (laughs) like we gotta Mm -hmm. hey hey watch out um but because it's a fun hippie time it actually attracts celebrities. Um, Allen Ginsberg, huge adherent, huge proponent of the religion. But most importantly, and probably most prolifically, as far as the reach of getting the word out, was George Harrison of the Beatles. When we covered the Beatles as part of the Manson episodes, on the episode that Spotify won't leave up because mm-hmm. they don't understand how free use works. That's fine. Whatever. Uh, we played a part of this song. I'm not going to play it now because I want this episode to stay up. Um, but the song is My Sweet Lord, which starts out as kind of a vague song about some deity and then ends up in the Hare Krishna chant. And I tell you, the song's a fucking bop. Like, it is a bop. It widely popularizes the Hare Krishnas. Absolutely. Yeah. uh, Amidst this flurry, they would attract a young white man who was the son of a pastor, and he would change the ISKCON community forever. That man was Keith Ham. And that's where we'll pick up next week. Oh, shit. We're going ham next week? We're going ham on it. The fighting hams. Yes. Oh, hell yeah. And We shouldn't I, cheer for him, though. He's a real bad person. No, I know. I know. I know. I just love the phrase going ham. And I also love, I hope so badly, and maybe the opposite, maybe. I don't know. I want him to be a portly gentleman. Uh, with the name Not Ham. really. Yeah, no, he's an average-sized dude. <laughs> I don't know. I just like when people are named like cartoon characters. Um, Same. I know that we said we wouldn't play it, but I actually, I think it's really important to this episode. So I'm, right. I'm adding in here um, uh, the, the real version of George Harrison's My Sweet Lord, just so you can get a taste of it, because I think it is important to understand the art that we're talking yes. about. Yeah, 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 absolutely. 
My sweet lord, my lord, <laughs> my lord, I really want to see you, really want to be with you, really want to see you, lord, but it takes so long, my lord, my sweet lord. <laughs> I'm George Harrison of the Beatles. Hare, hare. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, but yeah. honestly, Google it, listen to it if you haven't heard it already, just so you have an understanding of what a fun hippie time this would be <laughs> like yeah, yeah. playing a hit song by one of the Beatles and just dancing to it and eating shitty cookies. Your cookies are not good. That's my biggest beef. We got to figure out. For this out... episode. I'll have other beefs in later episodes. Oh, absolutely. And in fact, we have very minimal beef in this episode to adhere to our vegetarian lifestyle because we are committing to the Hare Krishna life no. uh, ourselves. I need my cheese and my meats. I really wish you would have told me that before I shaved all of my head, except for this really dumb patch in the in, in the end. Oh man! I really wanna beef you, Lord, but I eat the beef, my Lord, beef <laughs> I, Lord. I just want to say, as somebody, I used to be one of those people who was, um, like, oh, I could never be vegetarian because, like, I love bacon so much <laughs> i would eat a steak in front of a vegan like i used to be one of those people and then my mom became a vegetarian and then uh for like six months i was vegetarian and i still consider myself to be um or aim to be because i have not been this recently i like to try to live a lifestyle i would call plant-based where i only eat meat if it's really good cuts of meat and not like cheap yeah. stuff from restaurants i've gone back on that for a while now because i live such a shitty lifestyle that <laughs> the only thing open when i'm finally done with all the work i have like to do is dominoes. fucking dominoes and whataburger so um, but i will say one of the really nice things about this specific but I will say one of the really nice things about this specific culture is that um, asking you to be vegetarian is a lot easier because a lot of them are vegetarian. And yeah. I think dishes that were made from the ground up vegetarian as opposed to trying to emulate what meat is. Yes. They're so fucking good, dude. It's so good. I, I just I here's my weird. This is my weird thing. Uh, I want I don't want vegans to emulate me. I want them to come up with whatever their new dish is. That's awesome. That's not me. Yeah. <laughs> like, just tell me what that is and I will try it. My biggest thing is not bacon. I do love steak. Uh, but for me, it's eggs and cheese. That's the I fucking love eggs. I eat eggs almost every day. Yeah. And I fucking get down with some dairy, man. You know, so. Look, I can't even get down with regular dairy because on account of it make me shit my brains out. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. uh, I do. There is lactose free milk, which is just milk without the lactose in it. And um, I love eggs. I don't think I could ever be vegan, but I could yeah, definitely never. be vegetarian. And there's a lot of I mean, even simple stuff where like. I make a meal for myself once a once a week now uh, that I make a I make it in bulk and I box it up in Tupperware containers and I eat it throughout, you know, throughout the week. And it's a taco bowl. And uh, instead of ground beef, it's lentils that I basically mm. season and cook up to emulate taco meat, which basically is a plussed up version of Taco Bell's taco meat. Because, you know, I was going to say, honestly, texture wise, that would be very similar. And yeah. for me, texture is a big thing with with meat substitutes. 
A hundred percent. I think yeah. when you try to think of things not as meat substitutes, but as like a whole new thing, um, yeah. they're fucking good. Go. I mean, I'm going to be real with you now. I'm going to go out and get Indian food tonight because I oh, yeah. fucking I absolutely need some Pollock paneer right now and some fucking non. Well, and that was, you know, when we were in Japan, we had tofu a couple different times in Japan and it was completely different than the way America does it because it wasn't like trying to be something it wasn't it was like we're cooking tofu because we like tofu it's yeah. not because it's a meat substitute and that really changed the vibe of it um and and it was delicious yeah for me i already try to eat good cuts of meat i'm kind of a weird uh stickler about it just in general because it tastes mm -hmm. better and you know whatever um same with my cheese i try to buy good cheese uh, yeah but I don't think I'd ever go fully in part because I can't eat a ton of vegetables because of my weird taste thing. Sure. Yeah. And I'll just say like, I'll dunk on people all day for weird stuff, but I did want to mention that like being vegetarian is super cool and something I wish that I could do constantly all the time, always, but I can't do it. And also like even my mother who is, who was very good at being vegetarian and, uh, doesn't, doesn't really break from it very much. The moment that she came back to California, because she she lives out of state now, uh, and uh, I mentioned a carne asada burrito, a California burrito, that broke away immediately. So like, it's hard to do, but um, yeah. not absolutely impossible. I don't even know why I got on this ta tangent. I'm sorry, I don't know. guys. I feel like I should clarify my weird taste thing, though, because I don't think I've ever talked about it on this show. I think I've talked about it on Horror Virgin, but I have uh, a genetic abnormality with the way that I taste things where and I've been like tested for it. It's a small subset of the population. Like, you know, the people where cilantro tastes like soap. Yeah, uh, I'm the extreme version where anything cruciferous tastes like bitter metal. Uh, and mm. smells like a dead body to me. All right. Well, so, you're like, fucking rust from True Detective over here just being like, yeah. the cilantro tastes like death. It does. And it and smells like it, too, which is like, it's really tough to explain to people because uh, Jake loves broccoli or whatever and has to cook it while I'm out of the house because, like, mm. I'll come home two hours later and be like, you cooked broccoli. Like, I can smell it that much. And I finally had to like find a thing that smelled like it and be like, this is what broccoli smells like to me. Like, this is why I can't even be in the room. And he's like, oh, my God, that smells terrible. I was like, yes, this is a horrifying reality for me. And it didn't used to be that way. It has gotten worse as I've gotten older. But anyway, that is yeah. unfortunate because I fucking love broccoli. I love Brussels sprouts. I love asparagus. I love spinach. I love leafy greens. I love all different types of vegetables so much and they're so good. And I'm fucking damn. I feel for you, but you know what? I want to get out of here so I can go get myself some goddamn polypamir right now and i'm saying it wrong i'm definitely sure of that because it's not like jackson pollock paneer where they spread it around that's what happens they after could, i eat it but they yeah. could and it wouldn't yeah, be bad it'd be delicious a delicious artistic accident yeah it's fucking amazing it's like uh spinach based with like goat cheese and shit it's yeah. fucking incredible oh i, I dig it. some paneer man <laughs> like hardcore so uh what i'm gonna say for this one is hey Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited for us to get into this season. Uh, season? Series. Jesus. Series. Yeah. Um, I am Armando. You've been listening to me for this whole episode. Uh, <laughs> if you want to follow me online, you can. It's very easy. It's at Mondo Does Stuff. M-A-N-D-O Does Stuff. And that's on Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, TikTok. 
and what I really want to promote right now is the fact that there is an episode of a show that I made for Rooster Teeth called Armando Moves to Austin, Texas. Uh, the finale is dropping today, Monday, uh, on YouTube, and I, I'm going to try to put the um the link in our bio but the problem is is that it is going to come out around like 12 noon central time and we're going to try to upload this before then so uh that might not be true but if you go to rooster teeth's website or rooster teeth's youtube channel it will be uploaded uh today that when you're listening to this monday um, and if you're a Rooster Teeth first member, it is already up on uh, the, the the Rooster Teeth website, roosterteeth.com. Go check that out. It's one of the best and worst things I've ever made. And I mean that because like I'm so incredibly proud of it. So many different people put in so much incredible hard work. Um, there, it features a bunch of people, including Paige Wesley, uh, including my cousins, including, uh, my friends, including Funhouse, a bunch of RT people. There's a lot of archival footage from my life that's featured in there. Uh, you can see the first place that I ever lived where we used to record cult podcasts that was, oh, shit. uh, half of a hallway and a part of a garage that <laughs> yeah. was made into... and we would have to prop your mattress up off the floor uh, so that we had wall. room for the podcast table <laughs> i remember this yeah um, and it was like see this is why you don't need a bed frame and you guys were like yeah but that's just a mattress on the ground and i was yeah. like no it's an artistic choice um <laughs> it is so and now incredibly... we own properties <laughs> Well, kind of, yeah. You do, definitely. Mm -hmm. uh, I I am so incredibly proud of this, and I think it's going to be different than, if, especially if you've even watched the other ones. It's going to be incredibly different, but um, fuck, man, am I so proud of it. So go watch that. Follow me on social media, and I will be posting about it constantly. You can go to my Instagram. The link will be in the bio. Um, all that good shit. But again, Armando moves to Austin uh, out now on roosterteeth.com and YouTube. Go check it out. Uh, thank you so much. I love you. Goodbye and good night and good luck. Mwah. Hey, it's your girl. I'm here every week. Uh, you can listen to my voice on Horror Virgin or Romancing the Pod. Uh, I have a ton of stuff coming up in July. Um, so for the 6th through the 10th, I will be in Austin, Texas uh, doing RTX, but also doing multiple other shows. I will post those dates on Instagram as soon as I have them finalized. Uh, then July 20th in Culver City, California, I am roast battling Keith Carey. Uh, one of the best to ever do it. Yeah, he's yeah. amazing. It's going to be fucking dope. It was uh, not audible because I was taking a hit off yeah. of the vape. <laughs> My eyes fucking, oh man. I wish I was there for that. Holy shit. Yeah. And if you want to see the, the battle from Japan, first of all, thank you to everybody who came out to the shows in Japan. That was amazing to meet all of you. That was great. Uh, but if you want to watch the battles from Japan, those are up on YouTube. Uh, then at the end of July, I, I can't officially announce anything, but I might have some specific dates for some specific shows potentially out of the country. So stay mm. tuned on Instagram for that as well. Yeah, and uh, if you want to help support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash cultpodcast. Wanted to give an update on that because uh, we've been getting a couple of emails about it. I just placed an order for 
so many fucking shirts and <laughs> have uh, finally contacted an Austin-based screen printer that uh, nice. is able to do it. Um, weirdly enough, you're going to freak out about this because I haven't told you yet. Fan of the show. Oh, hey, what's up? Yeah, so uh, as soon as we finalize that, as soon as I get the shirts delivered to the printer, we will be printing those out and sending them out again. Uh, my life has been a personal hell for about two years now where I started a business with my best friends and then realized that we didn't have enough money to pay other people to do the business stuff and that making the content is a full-time job. And then I got a full-time job uh, and then uh, I kind of fell off. So I'm really bad at that. But things are finally coming. We are also going to shift a couple of the stuff on Patreon on uh coming up in a little bit and uh, i'm excited for that but everyone uh who supports the patreon i promise you will be getting your stuff but i do want to say specifically what you are paying for is helping make this show this show is so incredibly difficult to produce every single week and uh i am so glad for all of your support because you help us make the thing that we uh want to make so um yes that is coming. I'm fucking stoked on it. We were starting to get uh, the backfill orders filled, and then I had to move across the country, and that really fucked me for a long time. Yeah. Ah, uh, so again, patreon.com slash cult podcast. Thank you to everyone who subscribes and uh, supports the show uh, because we could not make this without you. I promise you that. And uh, hey, if you want to follow us on social media, you can on Instagram at Colt Podcast. Or on Twitter at Colt Podcast Show. You can even send us one of them newfangled emails to ColtPodcastShow at gmail.com. And if you want to send us your version of George Harrison's My Sweet Lord, <laughs> uh, you can record it onto a cassette tape. Cassette tapes only. And send that to 3756 West Avenue 40, Suite K, number 237. Like, like the, the shining. shining, Los Angeles, California, nine zero zero six five. And I think for this one, I'm gonna say, don't eat the cookies. <laughs> Do drink the Kool Aid. No, don't drink the Kool Aid. Oh God, don't drink the Kool Aid. Bye. Bye. Yeah.